welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. So as you all know, we are in the series King and Kingdom. We are still in the series King and Kingdom. And I'm going to show you the, uh, the wonderful transition from that, uh, that entire concept into what we're trying to accomplish today. And I'm going to do this uh, as concisely and as radically as I know how to do. So you guys pray for both of those adjectives over me and this time. (laughs) And if you pray well enough, we'll get there. If you don't, it's all on you. I'm not taking any responsibility. Hopefully you understand by the end of this how important your Bible is. I'll preface this by saying I was talking to... How do I do this? I, I, don't, I don't ever want people to think like I have encounters with them and then, then I talk about them at church. And so I, but it, it, they're, just, they're fresh on my brain and so I have to... Sorry, Valerie. Um, <laughs> they're fresh on my brain and so I have to... It, it, it like shoots right in there. So I was talking to an incredibly influential person in this last week. <laughs> One of the most influential people in, uh, in the state. And I was encouraging them with kingdom things, kingdom truths. And... One of the one of the most pronounced scriptures in the Bible, in my opinion, they couldn't find it, didn't know where it was, and couldn't even quote the context of it. And this is one of the most powerful and influential people in the state. And it it kind of broke me in a way because not only is this person, you know, you would think, well, if they're powerful, influential in the state, then obviously they're probably not super, you know, Christian oriented. This person has made it very, very pronounced in their life that they are full-on Christian. And they couldn't find one of the most pronounced scriptures in the Bible, nor did they know the context of it, nor could they even quote it correctly. Literally messed it up. Which was one of the confirmations about today. You are only going to go as far as the Word of God takes you. You cannot supersede, go beyond, go faster than, or go past the Word of God. To the degree that that's in your heart and it has transformed your life is is to the distance that you will travel. Which is why many people are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year Christians... And they aren't one day farther than they were the day they met Jesus. Not one day. They got a ton of memories. 
a bunch of experiences, God bless them, but that is not the purpose of life. Purpose of life is not to get memories and experiences. Purpose of your life is to accomplish the mission that your Father has given you. Most people, I preach all over the world, as you all know, most Christians in churches, when I tell them to raise their hand, if they know that they know that today they woke up in the center of the divine destiny that God has given them for their lives, and they are full on doing it, the majority of Christians in churches will not raise their hands. I would say as much as 80% of the body of Christ are not doing what they were created to do. Which means that we have just gotten into the bus and eventually 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years later, hopefully our bus ends up at the bus stop and that's heaven. That is terrible. It is terrible. And that is not what you were created for. You were created to have a life that is almost indescribable. I have literally forgotten miracles. I've had people come up to my life and say, hey, remember that time that we were somewhere and a tumor fell off someone? No, where was that? When you, when you start forgetting about tumors falling off of people and blind eyes open and deaf ears open, you're getting close. What Jesus' life was like could not be put into volumes. In John chapter 21, I believe it is, it says if they would have wrote down everything that happened in just the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, there wouldn't be enough books in the planet to cover it. You're supposed to be like Him. Right? Aren't we supposed to be like Christ? What would Jesus do? If we can't write a volume at the end of today about our life... It's quiet. Okay, King and Kingdom, we'll do this. And then that way you guys don't have to look at me and do the whole, is he looking at me? Luke chapter 12, this is our, these are our core uh, verses, our, our foundational scriptures. This was Jesus, and, and I believe that this is one of his, uh, his most pronounced teachings. This, this was uh, a major concept, philosophy precept that followed his entire ministry, which is where he got people out of the natural focus into the focus of heaven, into the focus of the supernatural. When you are born of your mommy, you are born natural. When you understand that you have a father in heaven and you actually humble yourself and you come to him and you submit to him, then you die your natural life and your father raises you up as a supernatural being. If you're not living a supernatural life, you're living superficial. Not created to live that way. Amen! Good preaching. Oh, no, you're welcome. No, really, thank you, Pastor. Oh, no, you're really welcome. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. But David used to do it all the time. That's why he wrote all them psalms. Nobody would help him, so he just wrote a psalm. Me and you, God. And seek not, this is Jesus the Lord, the Master, the one who knows how to do life better than anybody. And seek, amen. And seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Neither be of doubtful mind. They are equivalent. You seeking natural provision is equivalent of a stressed out mind. 
if you're stressed out in your mind, this is probably one of the reasons. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. People that don't have a Father in heaven have to seek these things. So your neighbor who doesn't know the Lord, who doesn't know that they have a Father, they have no choice. They're on the hook for this. they got to figure it out. The sad thing is, is a lot of people cross over into the body of Christ and they think, okay, everything stays the same except I said that prayer that one time. And don't you know how much that has to hurt the Father's heart to know that he... That you've literally come to him to be a son. And you don't believe that he loves you enough to take care of you. For after these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your father knows. Your father knows what you have need of. Man. Your father knows. And it's not just in there for Jesus to like tease you and poke at you. Your father knows what you have need of. Well, he ain't going to help you with it. You know, you're, you're on your own, sucker. But God knows. Ha ha! That is not what he's saying. He would not, Jesus would not malign the Father's character. If your Father knows what you need, and I'll say this, he, the Father knows what you need more than you do. Because most of the stuff you think you need, you don't need. You have been hoodwinked by this world to tell you what you need. You need a mask on. The highest ranking doctor in the world tells you that you need less oxygen. And there are hundreds of millions of people that say, okay. That should be, that should be a clue at least that people don't know what they need. I can assure you, you need as much oxygen as you can get out of this air. This is when you guys start praying, stay on point, stay on point. <laughs> Your father knows what you have need of, uh, that you have need of these things. So rather, seek ye. And that in the Greek it means first, investigate. First, pursue. If the first investigation of your day, your life, if the first pursuit of your day in your life, is not to seek after the kingdom and his rightness, then you don't get to come to God and say that, that he's not taking care of your life. And how many people like, God, where are you? Why aren't you showing up? Why aren't you answering my prayers? Why aren't things being taken care of in my life? I see all these scriptures and all these promises, all these people in the Bible... And that darn Pastor Steve, he's always up there talking about you taking care of him. But it ain't working for me. 
I know, you are outside of the context of eternal Scripture. God wrote the Bible for everybody on earth except you. And I know you wouldn't say that, most people wouldn't admit that, but that's what they think, like, it, it works for everybody else, or it works for all these other people, but it don't work for me. No, it works for you. Jesus said, if you seek, you'll find. Well, I saw it. If you knock, the door will be open. I've been knocking my whole life and that door ain't opened. If you ask, it'll be given unto you. I've been asking and asking and asking. I, I, I want us to like get this. We have got to take God out of the equation as to why 2 plus 2 do not equal 4 in our lives. God has done His part. I can assure you. I can assure you. There is a bloody cross to prove it. There is a bloody cross to prove it. Jesus, right now in heaven, I was just talking to a friend. Man, I will not get sidetracked with this story. I was talking to a, an amazing man of God who had an incredible encounter. Jesus literally visited him in the middle of the night. And there was this one part where Jesus visited him where Jesus came up to him with his arms outstretched to receive him. And this was a guy who basically had a very, 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 very peripheral, godly Christian life. I would say probably not born again. If he knew I was saying this, he might get a little perturbed. But I'm telling you, I know the guy. I've known him for years and years and years. I wouldn't have called him born again. Maybe closet born again. And Jesus visited him. And one of the things that Jesus did in his visitation was that when Jesus was walking up to him, he had his arms outstretched and his hands open to him. And I stopped him and I said, could you see the holes? And he started weeping. And this isn't a cry guy. He started weeping on the phone. I could see the holes. Right now in heaven, there are holes in Jesus' hands. Listen. Jesus' hands never healed for what he did for you. And we're wondering if he's going to do this. It says in Romans chapter 5, it says if he was willing to give himself completely for us, how not much more willing is he to help us in this earthly natural life? If he's willing to die for you and you think he's not willing to help you get a job. He's willing to go to hell for you. You don't know if he'll heal you. You don't know if he'll provide for you. He fought the devil to death. And you don't know if he'll give you peace. This is how good, this is how well, how effectively the world has separated these two. Where people say, well, I got this godly Christian spiritual life over here that I pick up on Sunday morning at 9.10. And I put it back down at 1.14. And then all week long, I'm on my own, grinding, sweating and toiling. But thank God, Sunday morning, 9, 10 a.m. is coming. And really, it's like Christian drug addicts. 
where you, you get your shot in the arm, you get your little holy heroine. Oh, oh, worship Jesus. Oh, wonderful. Amen. Oh, good word, pastor. That's the best thing I ever heard. And on Monday, kicking the dog, cussing out your co-worker, road rage. Don't know if God's going to take care of you. A bill shows up in the mail. You lose your cookies. Mad at your spouse all week because they weren't as holy as you at church on Sunday. Y'all laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Listen, it, it, it it hasn't changed you. It and I'm not being mean to nobody. I'm not even talking to anybody specifically. I don't even know who I'm talking to. It's probably somebody out there. All you guys are perfect. It just means it hasn't changed you. Doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean that you might not even be born again. Doesn't mean that if you died right now, you wouldn't go up and down. Up versus down. <laughs> up and down. <laughs> I know you get halfway up. Oh, I didn't make it. <laughs> like at the fair when you hit the... <laughs> Nope, didn't ring the bell. Sorry, you go to hell. (laughs) This is the greatest sermon ever. (laughs) You guys are going to share the heck out of this one. It, It just means it hasn't changed you. You can be born again and be completely stuck and carnal and broke and sick and miserable and depressed and oppressed as anybody else. You can be. It's miraculous. But you can do it. You can pull it off. If you want to stay completely carnal, you have the freedom to do that. And God will love your carnal, sorry little butt. And you will have a terrible, miserable life. And you will have a terrible, miserable testimony about God in your life. That's the part that bothers me. If you want to be terrible, miserable, broke, sick... Whiny, complainy, upset, depressed, oppressed, drama queen, drama king of the year. If you want to be all that stuff, God bless you. Go ahead. Just quit telling people you're a Christian. Shut down your stinking Facebook account and quit telling people, I trust in God. And then two posts later, you're cussing out the neighbor because their dog pooped in your yard. Shut it down. You don't get to do both. You don't get to say you're a Christian And then do unchristian things publicly. Pick one. Either go all in for Satan or go all in for God. But you don't get to walk on the fence. That's the part that makes Jesus' guts turn. If you're cold, great. Be cold. Worship the devil. Get a pentagram. Go kill cats and skin them. Or whatever they do. Pastor Bob, Pastor Bob, go back there. Someone needs a demon cast out. Come out! Be hot. If you say that Jesus is what you say that he is, if you say that he is what you just sang, (laughs) dear Jesus, if you say what Jesus is, what the Bible says that Jesus is, why in the world are you not all in? Why aren't you? It's either it's not really real. Because most of the time it ain't. We just say stuff because that's just what we're trained to do. We're trained to be little lemons in this society. What everybody else does, we do. Put on your mask, put on your mask. Take a vaccine shot, take a vaccine shot. 
That's what everybody's doing, right? Everybody's got torn jeans, get torn jeans. That, and I, I know, I got a little... These are, these are hand-me-down. My son gave me these jeans. He... You know, your, you know your kids have grown up when they give you their hand-me-downs. Right. So, so my son, is he's so stout now that he outgrew his pants, and so I got his pants. I don't know if that's good or bad. We should probably go back to the Scriptures. You know, I can go somewhere else and preach if you ain't appreciating this. Fear not, little flock. <laughs> I'm pausing there because there's folks that have come in here today with fear. There is a ton of stuff going on in your life. That's a command. Fear not. Little flock. It is your father's good pleasure it pleases blesses your father's heart to do good things for you he just wants your permission all those good things are going to come to you through the kingdom this is so important God doesn't give you healing he gives you Christ God doesn't give you finances. He gives you Christ. God doesn't give you peace. He gives you the Prince of Peace, Christ. He doesn't give you power. He gives you the power, Christ. And when Christ comes, he brings his kingdom. To the degree that you yield to the king... And his kingdom is to the degree that all those things happen in your life. And, and by the way, when Christ comes, you don't get the one chunk of Christ. Like you don't get a left arm that is power. And then later on a right arm that's healing. And then later on you get a leg when you're ten years in. And in, your, in that leg is peace. And then... If, you, if you're really good Christian for ten more years, then you'll get the other leg, which is prosperity. That's why it takes 30 years to be a prosperous. No. When you get Christ, you get Christ. You get everything that heaven has to offer. It's us who do that. It's us who separate it. Okay, well, I got the saved part. And we don't even understand the word saved, because the word sozo literally means protected, saved, delivered, healed, prospered. It, that's exactly what the word means. But we say, okay, get, I got saved, so now I'm going to heaven. And then later on, I'll learn I'll, the, if my pastor is a really good pastor, if not, I'll quit the church, because that's what people do. If he's a really good pastor, then I'll get healed one day, maybe once. And then if I'm really, really got a good church and a good pastor, it's all really his fault. Then I'll get prospered. But I'm telling you, if I'm still broke after about five years, I am out of here. Because y'all stink. While people all around you are prospering, being healed, being... It's amazing to me how many people complain to me about what 
they're not getting sometimes from the church. And they don't know that I know that there's another 280, there's 275 people in this church that I know there's another 200 people that are getting blessed and prospered and peace and joy and, and increase and, and then you're, and then these people are going to call me, well, it ain't working for me. I know, it's got to be us. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's will. Good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In John chapter 3, Jesus, these are the famous John 3. Most Christians know these, uh, know these verses. Uh, if you haven't read John chapter 3 in a while, please go refresh yourself. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do um, a little section of this to give some context. Nicodemus was the ruler of the synagogue, so he should have been one of the most highly educated, highly trained, highly effective believers, quote-unquote, in the entire region. In a way, he should have been like Jesus' peer. They were like co-rabbis. So they should have been able to have these deep, spiritual, um, uh, awesome times. Like uh, some, of, some of you in the room know, like when some people come to your house and, you, and you're talking about the things of God, it's like one, two, three o'clock in the morning, you're like, man, just... We've got to go to bed at some point, but man, have, what do you, what's your thoughts on this? Oh, now we're off again. Uh, that, that should have been Nicodemus and Jesus, but Jesus actually was like, dude, you don't know this stuff? Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus just said, you have to be born again. Hey, everybody in the room depending on where you grew up in church or if you grew up in church or if you don't know these things, Jesus said you have to be born again. If you think there's some other back door, side door, cheater way, you're going to dig a tunnel into the kingdom and go into the fence, it don't work that way. The only way in is to die. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They're like, hey, 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 my life is not super terrible. I just want certain parts of it to die. It don't work that way. You either die... (laughs) Or you don't. But if you die, then God can do that awesome thing where He can raise you from the dead in the image and the likeness of His Son, and you become a son. How can that be, Nicodemus was saying? Because Nicodemus was carnal. He's like, how do you get get back in your mama's womb? Like, what's the deal here? And we make fun of this guy. Like, dude, you're so spiritually stupid. You don't know about born again? Okay, I can tell you, as a pastor of a church, people that make fun of folks in the Bible, usually got the same things going on. Same person say, Nicodemus didn't even understand how to be born again. I say, yeah. Do you understand divine health? Well, yeah, I mean, let's not get carried away. Do you understand prosperity? Do you understand trans-relocating? Can you move a mountain? Hey, 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 that's high stuff. No. Actually, the biggest miracle that you'll ever experience is born again. After that, it's all downhill. You're struggling with healing cancer, and you've been born again? You you realize, born again. Child of Satan. Rightfully child of Satan. He owned you. You belong to him. It is legal. And then you die, you didn't know you died, but you die because Jesus died for you. 
You beat hell. The Father Himself raises you from the dead and you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, righteous and truly holy. Of all the miracles, that's like the chief miracle. And you don't know God will help you with a hundred bucks for your electric bill. (laughs) You're born again. How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, How are you a master of Israel? And you don't know these things. Truly, truly, I say unto you, we speak what we do know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. This happens to me all the time. When I'm trying to explain these things to people, they're like, "Uh uh-uh. Everybody wants to debate. You know, here's what's radical to me. Uh, Not to go back to a previous subject, but Dr. Fauci, most people don't know this, he's not even a doctor. He's a faker. But if Dr. Fauci walked up to the average person, maybe not in this church because you guys are weird, but to the average person out there and said, hey, you need to, uh, to hop on one foot, quack like a duck, put a mask over your right ear and breathe in short breaths and you'll stay healthy for the rest of your life and you'll avoid the virus. They would think about it for a second and they'd say, well, it is Dr. Fauci. He's a professional. He knows what he's talking about. And if he said all those things, then obviously he's got to have some science and some reasons and some stuff. And that person, for the rest of their life, would hop on one foot, quack like a duck, and wear a mask on their right ear to save their lives. And that same person would come into here and see someone worshiping God on their knees, crying, and say, Why are you such an idiot? Worshiping a God you can't see. Says the guy hopping on one foot, quacking like a duck with a mask for a virus they can't see. But because it's Dr. Fauci, they'll believe him. The amazing thing is, is I've been a believer for 41 years. I was born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit at five years old. Yeah, a five-year-old talking in tongues. You should see that one. I have seen... Hundreds of people healed of cancer, seen the dead raised, blind eyes open, deaf ears open, miracles, almost daily, I would say. Almost daily, I pray with somebody and something miraculous will happen. And I can walk up to someone and say, hey, here's something that you should probably do in your life to make your life better. And then say, what do you know? Dr. Fauci can make somebody stand on one foot quack like a duck. Steve Castle can come and tell you eternal truths. And people would be like, preacher, what do you know? I only know God. I'll put God up against your degree any day. We speak what we do know. And testify, the word testify is witness. And witness... Testify what we have seen. You know, you can see things in the spirit that you can't see in the natural. And so most people say, well, I can't see it, so therefore it ain't real. (laughs) While while we're sitting here in a quote-unquote pandemic with a virus that we can't see. That's even better, amen. And testify what we have seen, and you receive not our witness. 
This is Jesus. And I know a lot of people say, well, if Jesus said it to me, I'd believe it, <laughs> says the person with the Bible app. Because Jesus said stuff. Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, a leper came up to Jesus and said, hey, you can heal me, but I don't know if you will. And the next verse, Jesus said, I will be healed. So Jesus' will is to heal. Amen or oh me. It's his will to heal. Well, it was his will to heal that guy. Okay, you realize he's not a respecter. If he's a respecter of persons, if he says, hey, I'll heal Missy, but I won't heal Chris. Then he's, then he's human. He's unjust. He's not God. Whereas if his will is equal for every person, now he's God. Now he's just. So if his will was to heal the leper man that came up to him, then his will is to heal you? If you answer that question, yes, with your heart, not just because you're in church, then you're that much closer. But if you say, well, I don't, not me. Okay, not you. Be it unto you according to your faith. I'm sorry, I don't know how much more clear. The scriptures are in there for that purpose. So we know what God's will is. Well, we know what Jesus said. Well, if Jesus said it to me directly, then I'd believe it. He said it to you directly. It's for you. It's wrote down so you and I never have to, to worry about, well, I had a prophetic dream and then, you know, Bob came up and prophesied to me and I, but nobody prophesied to me, so therefore I don't have a will, I don't have a word of God. I've actually been in, in church services and people come to, hey, do you have a word for me? <laughs> like I got thousands of them. Really? Tell me. Alright, well, what are you struggling with? Well, I'm healed. Well, by his stripes you're healed. No, no, no. Do you have a different word, a better word? A better word than 1 Peter 2.24? I don't know what that is. You find it, let me know. Call me if you find a word better than 1 Peter 2.24. If we have told you earthly things and you believe not, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Do you get this? If you don't believe what Jesus said about how to take care of our natural existence... You really don't believe that he's going to take care of your eternity. Now, this should shock a bunch of folks, I hope, at least out there. This should really mess with you. Because if you can't trust him, if you can't believe him for your health, your finances, your, your, your soul, your peace, your joy, all the, if you can't trust him for those things, do you really, really honestly, like hand to God, believe that you're going to trust him for your eternity? You can't believe him for your temporality, but you can believe him for your eternity? Crickets? You want me to move on? Are you awkward yet? So, I was going to play a video. I'm not going to. In this video, it was the Passion of the Christ. It was when Jesus went into Pilate, which is John chapter 18. And him and Pilate had this, had this little interchange where Jesus said, Pilate basically said, hey, are you a king? And Jesus said, that's what you say. And he said, my kingdom is not of this world. For if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. But because my kingdom is not of this world, they handed me to the Jews and they handed me over to you. And 
Jesus said that these are true things. And then Pilate does that, he kind of pops off, he's like, well, what is truth? So here's something that's unique. You have the king standing in front of a king. And the king of the natural world says, what is truth to the king of the eternal universe? To the king of the kingdom. So the king of the world, the temporal, natural king of the world, says to the eternal king of the kingdom, what is truth? And now we've reversed that in today's society. We tell God what is true. Let me tell you something, God. Hey, preacher, let me tell you what's true. What's really true is this pain in my body. We've reversed it. At least Pilate was wise enough to ask the king of the kingdom what is true. He didn't stick around to listen to the answer. But at least he wasn't so prideful and so arrogant like many people today that not only were saying, hey, that's not true, God. Let me tell you what's true. You need to sit down and listen to me teach you. And I know nobody in this room would ever, ever, ever tell God that he's wrong about anything in their life. But all those people out there, they actually have a different world view. So this is a world view. You view the world through your perception. And when God says something different than your perception, this is where the conflict starts. So you're going to do one of three things. You're either going to say, God, you're wrong. Which a lot of people do. And I know you're thinking, there's no way. But you have probably done it this week. <laughs> Amen. Or you're going to say, that's confusing. And then just stay in a perpetual state of confusion. Or you're going to do a really, really wise thing, which is humble yourself and submit to what God said, regardless of how you feel, what it looks like, or what you think. That would be a Christian biblical worldview. Jesus said, what is truth? King versus king. So in a Christian biblical worldview, first we need to understand what a worldview is. It's a, a, there's a lot of words for this, but what we've embraced here at Beloved is a culture. So it's a culture that represents or reflects what we believe the kingdom culture is that our king has initiated for us to have. Here are some different words. Paradigm, ideology, perspective, personal principles, opinion, belief system, attitude, philosophy. Everyone in this room, everyone... Myself included. Every person. Jesus had all of these things. Except his were right. <laughs> Ours, not so much. So you have this. This isn't something that, well, no, I don't have no philosophy. <laughs> Everybody in this room. You have all of these things. These are just different words for the word worldview. 
everything that happens, everything you hear, while I'm speaking right now, you are filtering the words that are coming out of my mouth through the lens of your belief system, through the lens of your worldview. And if we were to be honest, a bunch of people in this room is like, eh, I don't know about that. Because your worldview is going to be contrary to what I'm saying. It happens all the time, beloved. And don't think that you're going to do it just to me. And then you, then you undo it when Jesus talks. And I'm not trying to say like, I talk like Jesus, okay? Uh, but I'm saying that when you're getting eternal truths and things that are supernatural and, and the Word of God from a person like me, and you reject it, what really honestly makes you believe that when Jesus himself speaks it to you through the scriptures that you're not going to reject it? We have this belief, this, this normal kind of a human thing, I dare say, that we're right and everybody else is wrong. Even when we put on the, the false humility and you say, well, I'm always stupid, I'm always wrong, and everybody else says, you're still actually, you don't even believe that, you're not really believing that, you're just saying that to make everybody feel sorry for you, because you really believe you're right, and everybody's just picking on you. But the thing is, that don't work with God. He's actually right, and He knows when we're being fake. <laughs> it don't work. The last word, philosophy, is actually a, a scripture word. But I want to show you that we all have that. Do you everybody see the little mousy mouse hiding? Hide, he's all scared. Little scaredy mousy mouse hiding. Do you see him? Little mousy mouse. This is, this is most believers. Little mousy mouse hiding, kind of scared. <gasps> Don't come get me. There's a cat out there that's walking, looking, prowling to whom he may devour. And then heaven says, what is wrong with you? You have the lion of the tribe of Judah on the inside of you. What are you scared of? But I'm just a little mousy mouse. I wished you seen what I seen. The Father does this all day, every day. And literally all it is is that you're just upside down. You're literally upside down. You are seeing, your worldview is literally upside down. Because the natural is upside down compared to the spiritual. And there's a line on the inside of you and said, please let me turn your life right side up. Please. This is the exact same thing. But you have a different worldview depending on which way I present it to you. Colossians 2.8 This actually is covered in Scripture. Now I do not have time to put... Colossians in context. If I do, we're going to be here till dinner. Which would be fine for me. Anybody else? Oh, stop it. Lying in church? Some of you aren't even awake now. I want to, I want to preface this by saying that, and I can't do this in context, but I could show you for sure. So if you, if you don't think I'm right, come see me later and I'll show you. But the context of this is that Paul wrote this letter to the, Coloss, the church at Colossus that he had never 
physically, personally met. Everybody that was in the church at Coloss got the gospel second hand from Paul. Second hand. Someone that Paul preached to, or it could be someone who's someone who's someone. And so the entire purpose of the book of Colossians is to make sure they had it right. Now this is good for all of you here. It should be a, a it should be one of your favorite books in in the new. It should be one of your favorite books in the Bible, because you all of us by default got the gospel secondhand from Paul. <laughs> Nobody in here had Paul physically preach to you the gospel, and so we're all secondhand gospel receivers. And so the book of Colossians is actually one of those things like, hey, here's how you get it right. And Colossians and Ephesians are sister books. They basically say the same thing, just a little bit different. And so because Paul knew that these folks had gotten the gospel secondhand, he wanted to make sure that they were right. And so he wrote down all of these important gospel principles, kingdom principles, in the book of Colossians. And I'm, I'm, I'm diving right into a middle of a context. And so I just wanted to lay that out so you understood That's why he was being very pokey and very specific about all these things. And so in the 8th verse, well actually in the 6th verse, it says, As you have therefore received the Lord, Christ Jesus, walk ye in Him. And this is one of the most important kingdom principles. The way that you have received Jesus is the way that you walk in Jesus. You receive Jesus because of His grace... That you put faith to. Ephesians 2, 8 says that by grace we are saved through faith. That not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's how you receive Jesus. Was the grace of God which extended towards you and then you held out your hands by faith and received the free gift of grace. That's how you got saved. That's how you get healed. That's how you have peace. That's how you have joy. That's how you have prosperity. That's how you have life abundantly. The same way you receive them is the same way you walk. By grace through faith. By grace through faith. And we want to trick it up. I was just watching Pilgrim's Progress last night. <laughs> I know you guys are like, you what? I watched the, the animated version of Pilgrim's Progress last night. Not everybody is as smart as you. And it was Awesome telling you, I can't, Kay was, wherever she is, where's my wife? She was sitting out in the living room, uh, doing all of her work for the board meeting today, and I come out, and I'm like, baby, I just watched a Pilgrim's Progress, the animated one, the cartoon kind of one, and she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, and I said, it was awesome! She's like, okay. It was, it was really, because they could animate it, you know, like the human version one, you can only do so much. But the animated one, they could make Satan, you know, this big and, and Pilgrim kicks his tailbone. Um, anyway, in the, in the Pilgrim's Progress, one of the little diversions that Pilgrim took was legalism. Where he had to climb this mountain of legalism with all these rules and all these laws. And he, and he kept trying. That's the average Christian. They, they, they find out that God loves them. They find out that Jesus did this amazing thing for them. Jesus went to the cross for me? For my sins? For all of them? Yes! Because He loves you. 
He loved me and I didn't even know it? Yes, because He loves you authentically and genuinely. That is so amazing. I know it's such good news. That's why it's called the gospel. It's good news. And then they say, wow, can I be a part of His family? He's been waiting your whole life. He's been inviting you forever. Yes, please come be a part of the family. Well, I would love to do that. Well, come on in. We'll pray with you. We'll love you. Now you're part of the family. Okay, great. Now what do I do? We'll keep all the rules. Okay, which ones? All of them! I don't even know them all. You better read your Bible, find all the laws, all the rules. This is why most of you have never read the Bible. Because you don't want to know about the laws and the rules. Because you think if you don't know about them, I mean, you're kind of like, I'll just float around from place to place. If I don't know about it, I'm not accountable. (laughs) That's how people live their lives in America. You know how many laws there are in America? Google at one time. How many laws are in America? I don't think Google has enough zeros. They're passing laws by the gazillion. Every... And you're supposed to be accountable to all of them. And God's been here 6,000 years. America's been here 240. This is why people don't want to read the Bible. Because they think it's the book of all the laws and all the rules. And they've got to keep them all, so I don't really want to read That is not what it is. It's actually the book of your liberty. Yesterday, oh, I don't want to say, okay, now I can't say the story. All right. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. Not in yourself. This isn't about you getting cool. It's about you understanding how, how amazing He is. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. Grounded, settled, rooted in the faith. Most aren't. They're rooted in their personal worldview. As you have been taught, now here's where I kick in. I actually have culpability as to how stupid some people are in the church. My fault. I'm being for real. I have a responsibility. I'm supposed to shepherd over, I'm supposed to uh, pastor you as a shepherd watches over a flock. Knowing that I'm going to be accountable to God based upon how I pastor and shepherd you. I literally am going to have to stand before God at the end of my life and give an account as to how well I did this. This is why some of you get irritated at me because I'm super pokey in your lives. Like, when you please figure this out? Because I am not going to get to the end of my life and you're going to be the reason I get cussed out by Jesus. <laughs> you do know cuss is like curse, so... Everybody's like, oh my God, my doctrine. As you have been taught, this is why I'm doing this. I'm accountable for this, so I'm doing this. So when I get done with this today, I'm I can say, Lord, mm-mm, I did the thing. <laughs> and he'll say, okay, you're free. You're free. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Finding a Christian that's literally abounding in thanksgiving is like finding a mute dog. 
I mean, we ain't got nothing to be thankful for. It's only like God only died for you. He only went to a cross for you. Every sin has been covered. You have prosperity, you have health, you have joy, you have peace. But you do realize I don't have an iPhone 12. Jesus, haven't you heard the 47 prayers about me getting a new iPhone? How about my spouse? Have you heard all the prayers that I've called them dirty names? Huh? Why don't you fix them? Be thankful for you. Have you seen my wife? Beware. Beware. The word where is a, it means war. Be at war. Lest any man spoil you. Another military term. Spoil is like pirates come and capture your boat and spoil your boat. The spoils of war. That means they take everything that's of any value whatsoever. Okay, now follow me. Be on guard. Beware is like be on guard. Be in a war stance. So that nobody can come and spoil. Take all the precious, pricely, good things that are in your life. Through philosophy. Okay, for those of you that think that the devil comes to you as a demon, dripping slobber and claws and Or the devil comes with a pitchfork and horns and spitting fire, I'm coming to get you. No, you know how he comes? Philosophically. Well, I mean, come on. There's no healing. That's why God gave us doctors. Right? I mean, God, he, that's why He birthed these wonderful people that go and give a Hippocratic oath and they take care of us and practice medicine on us. Like a pincushion. Practicing. My, my mom worked for doctors literally almost her entire adult life. <laughs> and asked my mom, they practice. Hey, go home and take this. Oh, I almost killed you? Sorry. <laughs> take this one. Well, that one almost killed you? Dear Lord, here, take this one. (laughs) And they'll do it. Mom is like, it's amazing. Like, they'll take a medicine and almost kill them. And doctors say, oh, I'm sorry. And there's no culpability. You can't, like, sue them or nothing. It's not like malpractice because it lists all the things that it does to somebody. Well, if you take this, it could almost kill you. Well, I took it and almost killed you. Not my fault. It says it right on the jar. (laughs) Well, I'm going to sue you because you almost killed me. Can't. Sue them. No, you can't sue them either because the, the federal government has given them rights not to... You can't sue like Pfizer and all those places. This is what's going on with this, the, the experimental poke that I got made fun of for saying. This, this is what's going on with this. Because it's protected by... You could literally take it, pass out, and die in the chair getting it. And you, nor your family, nor anybody could sue for a penny. They are not culpable in any way for killing you. But the amazing thing is you can come into Beloved Church, trip over the threshold coming into Beloved Church, fall down, bash your head, and your family could sue Beloved Church for millions and millions and millions. i got to carry insurance as a church... To protect our church from getting taken away because somebody would trip and fall. 
But they could literally kill you with poison. Actual poison is in those jabs. Actual poison. Look it up. They could kill you with their poison, and there ain't a thing you can do. In fact, your insurance doesn't even cover it. Did you know that? Because it has the word experimental on it, your insurance doesn't cover anything that would happen to you if you got it. And if you die, you don't get your... If you have life insurance, you don't get it. Because it was experimental. You literally took an experimental drug. Amen. The way that the devil comes is through people with philosophy. He doesn't come... With a pitchfork, horn, spit, and fire. He comes as a person that oftentimes is really pretty, like in Hollywood, with the philosophy. And their philosophy is really soft and gentle. Well, that can't be wrong, because look how pretty they are that said it. Right? Because if a Hollywood actress has 200 million Instagram followers and she says it, well, it's got to be true. It, there's no way it's wrong. Right? Do you know what the word philosophy is? Uh, don't look at me. <laughs> Philos and Sophia. Sophia is wisdom, and Philos is the word where we get brotherly love. Brotherly love. Like Philadelphia, Philos. So it means loving wisdom. If you love wisdom, you have a philosophy. Everybody in here loves wisdom. You just choose which wisdoms you love. Some people love wisdom of Xbox, and so they have Xbox wisdom, and they love it. Amen. It is a wisdom. James says that there's two kinds of wisdom. There's a wisdom that comes from above which is peaceable and pure and all all these things. And there's a wisdom that comes from below, which is earthly, sensual, and devilish. You can go to the the bookstore today and you can buy a book on how to be uh, terrible and get wisdom on how to cheat people, how to lie, how to steal, how to do crazy things in fornication. You can buy books on how to do that and learn wisdom of how to do that. Or you can get this book and get a different wisdom. So you, everybody in here loves wisdom. Everybody in here is learning about something. Amen. All of you that spend three hours scrolling past stupid stuff on Facebook, you're learning something. And I know that you're thinking, well, it doesn't affect me. (laughs) Okay. God bless you. Beware. Be at war. Lest anyone spoil you through the love of their kind of wisdom. Specifically, vain deceit. After the traditions of men. The traditions of men. This is when people come and tell you, well, here's how we do it. (laughs) Okay. After the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. How, I can't tell you how many times I've counseled people and I say, where's your verse? Show me where Jesus did it. This, uh, I just had an encounter with another very influential person the other day who was complaining about some things going on in their sphere of influence. And they said, 
I'm calling down the warring angels of God, and I'm um, I'm commanding that these angels go and do it. And I said, um, Hey, I super love you, but which verse is it that Jesus called all the warring angels to go and do all the war angel things? Well, it's not in. It's in this. It's this principle that comes out of Isaiah and the thing. And I'm like, Okay, so when did Isaiah send the warring angels? Well, he didn't actually do it, but it's inserted in there. It's kind of inflected. I'm like, if Jesus didn't do it and nobody in the Bible did it, why in the world do you think that this needs to be a major doctrine that you're doing it all the time? And by the way, you ain't smart enough to tell angels what to do. I mean, I'm not being mean with nobody in here, but I've met most of you. I think those angels need to be working for the Father. Because if they're working for you, I'm going to be a little scared. Anybody know this name? God bless you. Let me tell you some things that George Barna found out. George Barna is one of the uh, uh, wisest, smartest people who who does uh, who does statistics and different surveys. And his, I say, survey in a way where it's actually authentic, like the surveys that said like Trump was going to lose the election by 17 points. That's not a survey. That's called propaganda. That's a lie. He actually... He W-O-N. Their surveys were lies. They were actually trying to persuade people to believe what they were saying. It's called propaganda. George Barna is not a propagandist. He's an actual survey, surveyor, where he actually just asks people questions and then takes their answers. And he's a Christian. So let me tell you some things that George Barna found out. The worldview in America is developed by default. Very few, very few. I'm trying to go fast because I need to. Very few schools have teaching that focuses directly on a person's worldview. I know, all of you parents in the room are like, wait a minute, I thought I was sending my kids to school so they would be getting some learning. Well, they're getting learned. Very few adults know what a worldview is. Some of you, this might be the first time you even heard the term worldview. Much less what the worldview alternatives are, how they differ, and which one they, they, they personally possess. We have been shocked at how few Christian schools, as well as religious congregations, directly address worldview issues. (laughs) I know, shocking. Knowing a few Bible verses, attending church services, and praying will not get the job done. Attending a Christian school that offers a chapel service and a Bible class will not accomplish the task. Going to church services that feature sermons drawn from biblical content is not sufficient to build a biblical worldview. Parents expecting their children to follow the Ten Commandments is not enough to develop a full-scale biblical worldview. All of those things are token efforts that have proven inadequate towards developing an integrated body of beliefs and behaviors that enable someone to think like Jesus so that they can live like Jesus. Now, I want you to get this. There's a bunch of folks in here that might be, and this is kind of popular, you're either a DC person or a, what are the two superhero people? Marvel or DC? 
So they have, they have, they have alternate worldviews. And so you're either a Superman guy or a Batman. Is that right? I don't even know. So anyway, so if you're in this camp, this is how you think that the superhero world works. If you're in this camp, the superhero world works this way. And depending on your worldview is how, because the other one doesn't make sense. And so you're one or the other. It's, and the amazing thing is, is that I can come in with a third supernatural worldview, which is the biblical worldview, and they'd make fun of me. <clears throat> so the number one, uh, the number one belief, 94% of everybody in America, this is the worldview that they possess. 94% of America. Does everybody hear me? 94% of America has these worldviews. It's called syncretism. And of that 94%, 39% in that group has moralistic therapeutic deism. And I know everybody's like, oh, yeah, I know those things. Let me explain them. 52% of millennials believe that socialism, communism, and fascism is good. 52%. They think that's a good thing. It has killed, <clears throat> at this point, somewhere around three to 500 million people in the world. And we have a generation that believes it's good. <laughs> Less than 50% of Americans attend church. Okay, you're a minority. You're not only a minority, you are whacked, crazy, radical minority because you came to this church. God bless you. For the first time in American history, 245-year-old country, and for the first time in our country's history, less people attend church than don't. That, I don't know what that does to you, but your children, your grandchildren are being raised in a country that less than 50% of people believe that maybe they shouldn't just snatch them, grab them, and do terrible things to them. Because you, you realize the only reason that there is good and, and evil outlined is because of the scriptures. So if people don't go to church and they don't have a Bible and they don't, then their morality is whatever their morality is, which their morality is, is, hey, if I want to snatch that kid and do terrible things to him, who are you to tell me what to do? Right. That's where you're raising your children and grandchildren. <clears throat> your children in school are learning critical race theory. That's CRT. Critical race theory basically says that everybody is racist. You're either openly or closet a racist. Especially if you're white. If you're white, you're like ten times as likely to be a racist. You don't think that you're a racist. You might not act racist. You might not do racist things. You might not even have racist thoughts. But you are a racist. And what critical race theory teaches is, let's say two people walk in at the exact same moment through the front door. A white male and a black male. 
Critical race theory teaches if I go down there and I greet the white male first, it's because I hate black people. If I go down there and I greet the black person first, it's because I hate black people, but I didn't want them to know, and so I greeted him first. That, and I know you're being, I know you're like, no way. I'm telling you, go study critical race theory. Now, critical race theory is what they're passing in the Illinois legislation right now as we speak to teach, to mandate that your children pass the classes in critical race theory. That's exactly what they're teaching them right now. And you're paying for it. Yay! Congratulations. You're teaching your children that they are racist. What happens if you tell a person that they're racist? Let me, let me switch this over to the kingdom. You know, one of the reasons that we're so unique at Beloved Church is because I don't believe that you're sinners. I believe that you were. You recognized it. You died to it. And now you're a son of God. And you're righteous and truly holy. But the average church, the average pastor will stand up here and say, You're a sinner! We're all sinners! Stop sinning. If I'm a sinner, how do I stop sinning? It's like telling a dog not to bark. It's the same thing. If, you're, if your schools are teaching your children that they're a racist, and then they come home and you say, Honey, don't be a racist. 1619 Project, you might have heard of this. The 1619 Project, their goal is for every child in public schools and in colleges and universities, even the Christian ones are being mandated that they cover some of this, is to tell them that America wasn't founded in 1774 by the patriots because we went to war against a tyrannical government. America was actually founded in 1619 by slave traders and slave owners who wanted a place where they could freely practice slavery. And so actually the history of our nation is slavery. Therefore, you are a slave owner or a slave by default, and that is part of your heritage. And there's no way to get around it except maybe give some people some money at some point. That's the 1619 Project. Go look it up. They do a better job of telling it than I do. Good luck. Tolerance is... Being taught in our public school systems too. And what tolerance is, is that no matter what anybody does, you have to tolerate it. Even if they do it to you. They're teaching your children that if somebody does something that is immoral to them, they should tolerate it. And just let it happen. Now now do the math, y'all. Don't you know there's some predators that are waiting for their, to get their hands on the kids that have just learned that they're supposed to be tolerant? Was Jesus tolerant? Are you sure? Because Jesus just let everybody do everything they want. He just loved everybody all the time. For he didn't, there's not one time that he ever fussed at anybody, ever rebuked anybody, ever challenged any narratives, ever corrected anybody. He just let everybody do whatever they wanted. Everybody went to heaven. Because we don't have a biblical worldview, they're telling us this. I've heard people on mainstream media, news broadcasters, that say, well, Jesus loved everybody. Literally, on purpose, giving um, some groups of people the right to be anti-God, anti-Christ. I'm not just picking on the world. 
Um, I'm going to get to syncretism here in a minute. Darwinianism, Darwinianism is you came from primordial ooze. You just happened to be one day. Six billion years ago, 600 billion years, whatever their number, it changes all the time. You just happen to be. Now, here's, the, here's one of the most dangerous parts about it. If you just happen to be, that means you have no value. You have no purpose. You were just basically like a cosmic fart that just happened. Just snuck out. I don't even know how that happened. And because you are that, then why should there be any value of any kind to your life? Right? There's no worth to you. It's like a rock. Is there any value to a random rock that's out there? No. So why should there be any value to you? You just came from an ape or a dog or a fish or what? whoever's teaching it, that's where you came from. So then you understand this is why it's okay to kill a baby in a womb. It's not really, I mean, it's really not worth anything. It's just a baby. We can kill babies. They're fine. I mean, don't kill like a, a teenager unless they're yours. <laughs> Sexuality and marriage. Nobody needs to get married anymore. Just live together. There's no reason to actually commit in covenant for life. Because every five years, you know, you just change them out like Baskin Robbins 31 flavors. It's just be with the one that you, uh, dance with the one that brought you. There's no reason to, and the same thing with sexuality. You can have sex with anybody, anytime, anywhere. Boy, girl, back of the guy. And if anybody, God forbid anybody talk to you about it because that's your personal right. You have freedom to do that. Again, where's your verse? Well, it's not in the Bible. It's in the Constitution. Have you read it? Well, no, but it's got to be in there. This is, I want you to get it. Like, we're being taught this. Your kids are being taught this. In Illinois, your children are going to be taught um, through homoerotic pornography. Whether you like it or not. And you can even try to get your kids out of it, but they still got to pass that stuff. When we uh, told the teachers at our school that they weren't going to teach our kids and stuff, they said, fine, but you got to teach them at home. And they sent the books home and we had to sign off that we taught them. (laughs) They didn't know the parents that they were dealing with. (laughs) Look how stupid this is. Oh, I know, Dad. Safe space. In safe space, when something happens to you and you're offended by whatever it is, you get a coloring book. Don't laugh. It's for real. This happens all the time. They have safe spaces in college for 24-year-olds who can't handle life. And they give them a coloring book and a binky. And they hope that they're going to be all right. Hey, guess what? Guess who are going to be your leaders one day? Yay! From the ages of 15 months to 13 years old, that's when, that's when, your worldview is formed. Why do you think they're coming after the schools? If they can get them before 13, so what's the reverse? What if we can get them before 13? But let me say this. Do you know how many... Do you know how many young people I know that have asked their parents to go to church and they won't? 
and the parents don't care enough about their children to make sure that they're in here and they're learning. Sometimes we just want to make sure that they're just not in the way, and we'll shuffle them around and put them outside and let them bring their toys and do, because we don't actually want them to hear this stuff. We don't actually want them to worship. We don't actually want them to meet God. We just think we're doing the right parenting thing by making sure they're in the building. In the in the scriptures, in First Peter chapter three, there's this really cool word that was in there, which is make a defense, which in the Greek is apologia, which is where we get Christian apologetics. In Christian apologetics, we teach a biblical or Christian worldview, which is contrary to the syncretism and the moralistic, uh, the moralistic therapeutic deism. Let me give you syncretism. This is what syncretism means. It's based on a half hour long. These all of these stats are based on half hour long or one hour long personal interviews with national national representatives um, that sampled 2,000 adults in different stages and places of life. The study found that the most common worldview was this one, syncretism. This is 96% of America. It's the summary name for a disparate irreconcilable collection of beliefs and behaviors that define people's lives. And it's a cut-and-paste approach to making sense of and responding to life. Rather than developing an internally consistent and philosophically coherent perspective on life, Americans embrace points of view or actions that feel comfortable or seem most convenient. I know we're all in here, no way. You do it! You do it. Everybody in here knows that you're probably supposed to every single day be in the scriptures. I will not make you raise your hands. Everybody in here knows that you probably should spend time every day in prayer. I will not make you raise your hands. Everybody in here knows that you're probably not supposed to cuss. Treat people with malice. Evil. You're supposed to love your spouse. The gals in here are supposed to honor their, uh, the married gals are supposed to honor their husband as Christ. And the men are supposed to love their wives as Christ loves the church. You are supposed to value the Christian scriptural principles that you know. These are major ones. And everybody in here knows that you don't. And the reason that we don't is because it's just not convenient to do that all the time. And by the way, if I do that all the time, well, then who's going to take care of me? Who's going to make me feel good? If I'm busy making everybody else feel good, doing the right thing with everybody else, what about me? Americans embrace points of view or actions that feel comfortable or seem most convenient. Those beliefs and behaviors are often inconsistent or even contradictory. But few Americans seem troubled by this. Ninety. 4% of America. 94%. Basically, your worldview is what you want it to be. You mix a little church with a little bit of work, with a little bit of what happened to you when you were a kid, with a little bit of what TV says, with a little bit of what Ma says, with a little bit... You mix that all together. Syncretism. 
everything makes sense to you. I've actually talked to people where they've told me their philosophies. And I'm like, well, that don't make sense. Makes sense to me. Well, then in that case, why are we talking? Moralistic therapeutic deism. This was initially identified back in 2005. And they were talking to millennials. Any millennials in the room? Don't raise your hand. A belief in a God who remains distant from people's lives. Uh, For some of you, you might recognize this as Calvinism. Calvinism is actually a Christian philosophy that says God is God. And God basically created everything, did everything, wound the clock. And then it's just on autoplay. No matter what you do, no matter what you think, no matter what you say. There's no real miracles. It's just because you're stupid and you don't understand that things just happen to change. And that's the way God wanted it. And everything that happens is God's will. Everything that doesn't happen is God's will. Everything good is God's will. Everything bad is God's will. Everything is God's will. Just why are you even fighting it? Just lay back and let her happen. And when bad things happen to you, you need to thank God. Thank God that my husband beat me up last night. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy to be praised. People are, support, people are supposed to be good to each other. That's the moralistic part of this. I lost my... Okay, moralistic, therapeutic, deism. Moralistic is people are supposed to be moral. People are supposed to be moral. Therapeutic is, it makes me feel good. Deism is, we'll add a little God to it. People are supposed to be good to each other, i.e. moral. Problem is, if you don't have the Bible or church... What's your morality? Well, it's what the government says. When I was a kid, if you were an idiot pothead, we had commercials on TV of a skillet with an egg in it. This is your brain on drugs. Oh, stupid. Now, I can show you a video of a place in New York City where they will trade you a joint... If you get the jab, if you get the jab, they'll give you a joint. It used to be your brain on drugs. And the dudes are literally dressed in head to toe marijuana outfits. And if you sign up to get the jab right there, they will hand you a joint. So it used to be brain on drugs, terrible pothead, nasty to, hey, get a vaccine and a joint. Oh, I said. Universal purpose of life is being happy and feeling good. That's, that's the worldview. Being happy, feeling good. If you're not happy and you don't feel good, well, then your real view is jacked up. Because that's the point. Be happy, feel good. If it feels good, do it. This is why we're legalizing more and more things. There are, no ma- there are no absolute moral truths. Well, just because it's moral to you doesn't mean it's moral to me. Well, I don't care what your Bible says. You know how many people have told me? You know how many Christians have told me? I don't care what the Bible says. <laughs> what are we doing? What's the point? God allows good people to go to heaven. 94% of America believes God allows good people to go to heaven. The way you get to heaven is by being good. And remember, the moral is determined by them. Are, are you doing the math here? 
That means everybody goes to heaven. Because if morality is chosen by the individual, and they all believe that all good people go to heaven, and it's based on their morality, don't you know they're going to classify themselves as good, so then they know that everybody goes... Are you following the math? Okay, now this is why when you walk up to someone, you say, hey, you need to be born again. We were all born sinners. We're all in a fallen world. You need to be, nah. Everybody that's good goes to heaven. I'm good. Based upon what? My own standards. It's the judge judging himself. God places very limited demands on people. God doesn't... He doesn't really care what you do. He doesn't care what you think. doesn't care how you act. doesn't care what you do with your money. doesn't care how you treat your spouse. doesn't really care how you treat your kids. That's why parents are supposed to be their kids' as friends and not their parents. That's your job. Be your friend. Do not believe that people are sinful and need salvation through Jesus Christ. Okay, remember, 94%. You do realize that's a bunch of people going to church. That's a bunch of people going to church. There are people in this room, and I hate to say it, maybe, maybe not in this room, but there, statistically there are people in this room that do not believe that you were born a sinner and you need to be saved by Jesus Christ. You do not, uh, statistically, people in this room do not believe that the Bible can be trusted completely for moral guidance. The Bible's true and contend that good people get to heaven through good behavior. In this building. In this building. Do not believe that the Bible is true and reliable communication from God. Which is why you can, you can get touched by God while you're listening to Def Leppard. Because God can speak through anything. God told me what to do when, when I heard pour some sugar on me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Present your bodies. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'll present my spirit, but on my, bo- my body's tired. I don't want to sleep in on Sunday. It's my only day off. I'm not presenting my actual body. A living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I don't like to be in church and worship. Okay. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove what is that acceptable, good, and perfect will of God. Conform or transform. These are your options. The world will conform you, or you will come to God humbly and submissively, and He will transform you. One of these two has taken place. Right now. When you leave here, still taking place. When you wake up tomorrow, still taking place. You're conforming or transforming. No in between. You're evolving. Or you're metamorphosizing. Evolving means you're just getting a little better, a little smarter, a little stronger, a little whatever. Or uh, uh, metamorphosize means you're a fat, ugly, nasty, hairy worm 
You go into the cocoon of God's womb and you come out a butterfly. Christianity isn't about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. This is your worldview. I'm pointing at that. This is what you want people to see, and this is what you think that everybody knows about you, but this is your actual worldview. It's all that stuff that you actually think and nobody knows that you think, because if they knew what you were thinking, they'd probably say something to you about the way that you think, but you don't tell anybody how you're thinking, and if you don't tell anybody how you're thinking, nobody knows how you're thinking, but then you forgot that God knows everything that you're thinking. Most of our worldview is under the surface and is not immediately obvious. You know why people reject discipling? To have someone get into the deep places of their life because they're scared what they will find. This is why people do not disciple. They're okay with going to church. They're okay with listening to podcasts. But actually become a disciple and let someone dig down into the deep places of their life and actually give them things to do Get out of here. And then your Titanic sinks and you wonder why. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll cling to one and completely dispose of the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. A lot of translations translate that money. That is incorrect. It's mammon. It's a system. Mammon is a system that this world operates. You either operate in the kingdom or you operate by the system of mammon. And it's not one, it's not a little, it's not Monday I go to work and I do the mammon and then I'm off work and I read my Bible and then I do the kingdom. You either do all kingdom or it's all mammon. You can't go back and forth. This is why people end up hating God, hating the church, hating preachers, hating, because they can't serve both and the preacher's saying, hey, you need to serve God. I actually have had someone quit the church that told me the reason they quit the church is because I was all in. And every time I preached, I was all in. And I wanted him to be all in. And he's not going to be all in. And quit the church. I'm like, thank you for being honest. I am all in. (laughs) I want all of me to go to heaven. I don't want to get up there and say, where's my waist? (laughs) You weren't all in. (laughs) There's... (laughs) How is one's worldview impacted if he attempts to serve two masters? That's why a lot of you are confused. I heard preacher, Pastor Steve talk about divine health, but I got all these drugs in my medicine cabinet. I don't know what to do. Pick a worldview. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If your way doesn't involve Jesus, then it's not the way. If your truth doesn't involve Jesus, then it's not true. It's just not true. I'm sorry. It's offensive. I get it. But it's just not true. If you're, uh, if you're trying to get to the Father without Jesus, speak the truth in love. If you hold your peace because you are afraid that someone may be offended, the truth is, That you love yourself more than that person. You do not want to tell them the truth because you do not want them, you do not want to suffer personal rejection. Well, if I tell them the truth, they're going to get mad at me. Oh, so then you'll be rejected. So you're not going to tell them the truth. So in other words, you'll leave them in slavery because you don't want to have an awkward conversation. 
Right? Because if somebody's not in the truth, they're in bondage. Isn't that what Jesus said? John 8, 32. Only when you know the truth and you live in the truth are you free. So if you see somebody not living in truth and you don't say something to them, you're actually okay with them being a slave as long as you're just not being offended. Think about that. There is a king of this kingdom. He has decided that this kingdom is going to operate by a biblical Christian worldview. That is the worldview that all of the people that operate in his kingdom are going to have. If you don't, then you're not going to have the benefits of what the king has purchased in his blood and what the kingdom brings to offer. Please rise. I want to pray for you. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things, that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body. And all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.